Did I click record? <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Ms. Okwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. <laughs> How are you doing? Sorry, I'm just really happy. I don't know why. How are you doing? I was, well, I think I was just saying before we came on, like um, I was seeing a friend last night, uh, a couple of friends, shout out to Josh and Elena, and I was coming back to mine and uh, <laughs> started pouring with rain and everyone's like sprinting back home because I was listening to the new Burner Boy album, which is really good. There's a song called Comma. I was just kind of walking along and it was hammering down, but I was at peace. You know this, um, the Sing in the Rain video when like he's just dancing around and like the policeman looks at him and is like, what are you, what the hell are you on? But he's happy because he's singing the rain. I was kind of like that. It was, it's pretty cool. I thought. Corner of my oh, building. Yeah. Sounds great. Corner of my building. <laughs> skanking in my little Red Cruyffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, skanking yep. in the Red Cruyffs. Yep. Yep. That sounds like a really bad mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> I was disappointed because I was in Amsterdam recently and I went into the Cruyff store mm. and none of the trainers in there were as nice as the ones that I pick up from TK Maxx. It's really weird. It's like they're chasing the kind can of we, high can end. Can we stop name checking people here? Let's stop talking about brands. Absolutely, absolutely. Because we're going to give, we're going to talk a load of brands. Today. We are, we are. Oh, before I forget, um, how are you doing? How are you doing? Yeah, same old man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Excellent. We're, we're both hooded up. We're both hooded up. We are both hooded up. It's getting a little bit chilly. Well, actually, I wore a cardigan the other day. Oh, fantastic. So your first cardigan of the autumn or? Just like my first taste. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Let the games begin. Autumn is kind of here though, isn't it? It is and it isn't, but next week it's going to be peak summer again. Oh, wow. It's going to be super warm here. This is the thing, because in Berlin, we do get an extra month of summer slightly. September, yeah, it, it tricks you. you. You get a couple of weeks where it gets really cold and then summer comes back for a bit and then... Yeah, and it's gone. Yeah, we hope everyone else is doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Staying safe and well. Admin, is your piece up yet? No, it's not. It's in the ether. It's in the wind. Guys. <laughs> 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 you left them with an absolute nightmare of a, like figuring out the art for it. Yeah, it's the artwork, exactly. You know, if you do artwork with an overlap of football and, and music, football and Radiohead, then Oh, yeah. God. Oh God, this guy. Get a load of this guy. Poor graphics team. Yeah. Check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. I'm sure it'll be up by the time you listen to this. Yeah. Stadio theme music, stadio.bandcamp.com. If you want to go buy it, we're donating all the money. And you can check our outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Ult. Stadio Ultras? Stadio Outros. Stadio Ultras. Oh my God, there it is. You've <laughs> accidentally created <laughs> a monster. <laughs> Um, so what are we talking about today? So do you want to talk a little bit of Nations League, talk Ronaldo's 100 goal? We're going to talk kits. We're going to look ahead to bits of the new season. We've got loads of questions about signings and kits. And so we'll just kind of do a bit of a fun preview-y show today. We put a call for questions out. So we're going to let the let the questions guide us. Oh, spiritual. I feel so spiritual when become, that happens. Become water. Be like Just water. Some, play some Alice Coltrane in the background. Exactly. <laughs> Let the questions guide us, it, everyone. I was listening to some Alice Coltrane actually a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you know, you just have those sessions where you just sink into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what a don. Uh, anyway, we're going to do that and a little bit more. So we'll get into it after this. 
This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, then let's talk Nations League. Yep, yep. New kits on display. New kits on display. But first of all, I don't want to laugh. Um, I'm not, when I, okay, I'm, I find this hilarious. And I don't want, I'm not laughing at any followers of Croatia okay. who are listening to this podcast. It's just that for France to beat Croatia 4-2, when I, <laughs> Croatia won it up and I was like, oh, fantastic. Croatia going to get revenge for the World Cup. That's really good. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I'm like, oh my God, it ended 4-2. <laughs> they must hate the sight of Griezmann. They must absolutely I hate. I, they must have been, do you know what? You're cancelled. I mean, cancelled? I, I feel like Croatia oh. players oh. can most vouch for the value of Griezmann. Weird. I feel like they're like, you know, actually, he's that guy. If Griezmann played against everyone, like he plays against Croatia. It was nice to see him looking like Griezmann again. It was, it was. But I was again, like, oh, I miss this guy. But the configuration that he played and like the runs in behind, it just suits his system. Give him the system and he's fine. He's great. I know, um, this is it, isn't it? It's like, oh, wow, you put Griezmann in the right place and he looks really good. Yeah, shout out to, I mean, France's forward line, Martial. I mean, it's just wild that Martial did not go to the 2018 World Cup and that is forevermore a blight on Jose Mourinho's coaching book. How that, how that was able oh, to happen. Didn't take us that long to get some Jose slander in Well, there. it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, we've, we've been watching that as well, haven't we? That uh, documentary about Spurs. But Oh, yes, we have. But back before we get, before we, because we have. Yeah, because otherwise there will be, this will be a three hour episode on. We have capital T thoughts on that. Los Celso's face during the chocolate bar chat. <laughs> Stop, what am I doing? Get me out of here. I miss Betis. So France for Croatia too. More, I think, an indictment of the quality of France's attack than any indictment of Croatia being not good. Uh, shout out to Joseph Brekola, who got a nice goal. Wolfsberger. So representing the Bundesliga. But yeah, a good game that actually. And a nice engagement. got his first goal as well. Yeah. Do you know what? That was just an engaging match. In the UEFA Nations League, this is the thing. There is too much football on and it's ridiculous. But this tournament always throws up great games. Like Well, Belgium went 1-0 down, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because I was watching the, I was actually watching the England game. Mm. And, um, Talk about pick the wrong one. I was going to watch France, Croatia. Right. I thought, I should probably watch England. Oh my goodness. Dreadful decision. I got the update and it said Iceland 1 0 up. And I was like, what the hell? And then it was almost like they poked the bear. Belgium was super sleepy, actually, because Iceland mm. had two good early opportunities. And um, yeah, that's nice, sleepy bear. The funniest thing about the UEFA Nations League 
or this particular game, it's really, really fun to watch Kevin De Bruyne on cruise control. It is so enjoyable because you've got everyone running around like Batshuayi trying to prove a point. And De Bruyne is like, you know what? Like watching Kevin De Bruyne on cruise control is like watching, it's like watching LeBron James play against, against the Wizards. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> LeBron just picks up 20, you know, LeBron just picks up 25, but he's in his pocket. Like he's, he's at 70%. He gets 25 by the end of the third and just sits for the fourth. And it's like, you know, he just manages the game. Watching mm-hmm. De Bruyne just manage the game was just unbelievable. Like he just sits, it's this really nice position he takes up, inside left, 30 yards back of the area and just cuts you open. Cuts you open. It's just, it's, it's, it's actually sublime. Sometimes it's better watching players beneath their full exertion because then you see the full range of the vision in a funny way. You just see them pick things off. I mean, I've mentioned this example before, but it reminded me of Zidane when he came to Wembley after France won the World Cup in 98. And a lot of people are still like, oh yeah, he scored two in the final, but is he really that? And he just jogged everywhere. And Elka scored twice, but Zidane was the guy. And mm. no one got within 15 yards of him all night. And it looked, you know, De Bruyne against Iceland looked like that. Um, other things, other notes. Yeah, so... I was going well, to say, De Bruyne for Belgium yeah. is one of my favourite... De Bruyne's. I mean, there's only really a choice of two. So but I, 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 but like, I know what you mean. I know. In terms you know what I mean? Incarnations, there's something, yeah, incarnations. Yeah. And uh, in terms of kits, that Belgium kit was very, very nice. Very spicy indeed. Belgium, you know what? They come with the good. They've been coming with the goods for years, actually. They Belgium. had that amazing, that away kit that they had, which was like the cyclist kit. It was yeah. so good. But, hey, but even back in the day, Belgium have always been on it. Like, their designer knows what's up. Their designers have always known mm. what's up. I think. Shout out to France though. I know you're a big fan of the France kit. I think it's one of the best kits I've ever seen. Best shirts at least. Honestly. You know what's so funny? I can imagine you wearing that shirt when Stadio wear it to a wedding. When Stadio find us a session in San Sebastian. I can imagine you like playing out in wearing San Sebastian. A shirt. Wearing a French shirt. Yeah, of course. I can so see that. I can see you like. Um, I, you know, I could, if, if someone's getting married in Greece, for example, rock one of those with some some nice cream trousers and, you know, spring courts, no socks. When you finally retire to the Pyrenees, you'll be walking around wearing that, that and a pair of sliders, yeah. <laughs> be lovely. It's a great shirt. It's a beautiful shirt, I think, yeah. Portugal were the least good of their two new kits, I thought. Their away kit is absolutely beautiful. Yes, although... Portugal one. It's Portugal. very similar, actually, in vibe to the Belgium kit that I was talking about, actually, the, their old away one. The thing is, the base colours are so good, it's hard to get it wrong. This is, yeah, that makes sense. Not, not that the designers aren't doing a great job. It's just that it's just hard to get that wrong. Mm. The colours are just epic. You they know, are great. Of, yeah. um, Cristiano Ronaldo scored his 100th and 101st goal for Portugal. And the interesting about these is the second goal was somehow even better than the first. I, th- I completely agree. I completely agree. That was... Lovely free kick, but the yeah, second yeah. goal was... Lovely free kick, but you've seen free kicks like that be saved by elite keepers or at least got, someone got a hand to them. But the final one was like, do you know what it reminded me of actually? You know when you see players who are just like locked in and the mm. final goal they score is always the best one. It was like Del Piero's final goal in a hat trick. Like when Del Piero was like peaking, like that, that when, um, when Juve went that run of three straight Champions League finals, it was like Del Piero like against PSG or something or against Dinamo, just like, this is just easy to me at this point. 
Mm. Like I just picked out my corner. And actually, weirdly enough, to draw another parallel, Erling Haaland um, against Northern Ireland, you know, his finishing was just, he's just locked in at this point. Those two are just feeling it. I mean, maybe we'll do... Bundesliga next week because it's the Pokal this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bundesliga returns the week after, but yeah, we need to talk about Holland because I think I'm, I'm, I think he could potentially. Yeah, I think he's. I, I can't even figure out the words that I want to say because it's kind of so, so scary. I think he's got the number nine shirt for Dortmund this year. By the way, wow. Well, you know, it's funny because when I saw him score that opener against Northern, his his first against Northern Ireland, the first thought that flashed across my head was Lewandowski. Mm. Like, and when I meant that, I'm not saying he's the same player as Lewandowski. I mean, the decisiveness of the finish. You know, there's a thing about a certain type of striker where they're through on goal and they just hit it from a distance. Like, you can be through one-on-one from 20 yards and you'll rip it from there. You Mm. know, Alan Shearer had that. um, Romario had that. You know, certain forwards have that thing where within 20 yards, they're like, it's already, you know, it's already done. It's over. And Haaland is in that place now with his finishing. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to have a big year. So Cristiano Ronaldo scored a free kick. A really nice free kick, actually. And is this his first one since the Juve-Torino game, I think, in July? Goodness me, that long. That one for Juve was his first free kick for Juve in his 43rd attempt in all competitions. And it's the thing about Ronaldo, like, well, he was quite a good free kick taker, I think, and he became progressively worse. We were talking to TD from The Ringer about this. He made a really good point that he's kind of switched up his technique a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And you could see that in the free kick that he scored on Tuesday, yes. Portugal. I mean, the guy is such an athletic, like, monster. He has power and he has technique and stuff like that, that all he needs to do is just slightly more powerfully caress it into the, the corner. It's, and he did that and it was just really easy, I thought. I mean, not that we ever like to compare those two footballers because they've got this Ballon d'Or between them. Uh, oh. I just wonder, Are you going to do it? Well, you can't well, I just, one without the other, no, I'm really. not going me- to mention that individual. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to mention that person. You see, there you are. You think I'm talking about that player. I'm not. I'm just wondering if Ronaldo's looked at slightly more conventional free kick take technique that has been successful and has thought, do you know what? Just go back to basics. Having been inspired by a particular footballer who scores free kicks with conventional technique and great regularity. Yeah, Santi Cazorla. I think that's a good shout, actually. Yeah. I was actually talking about Pjanic. I was talking about Pjanic, actually. But, uh... no, well, you weren't because <laughs> Pjanic doesn't have a chance to take him. <laughs> <laughs> so Cristiano Ronaldo, 101 goals, the second all-time men's international goal scorer behind... Ali Dai, yeah, who's had that for like... 109 just in 149 years. caps. Ronaldo's got 101 in 165 caps. Obviously, the top seven all-time international goal scorers are women. Yeah. Christine Sinclair broke the record 186 goals in 296 games. What's the next one? What's well, it? she broke Abby Wambach's record yeah. of 184 and 256. Those two, their goal ratio is just obscene. That's the thing. It's the strike rate. That's the thing that really gets me about it. Mm. So like Christine Sinclair's is 0.63. Yeah. Abby Wambach's is 0.72. And for reference, you know, Ronaldo's 0.61. Yeah. 0.7 is extraordinary at international level at any, in any era. That's unbelievable. 20 years, Christine Sinclair has kept that goal ratio, which I just think is absolutely wild. But I mean, likewise for Ronaldo, you know, 0.61. Yeah. It's not far behind her. And the thing about Ronaldo is just the, it's the longevity aspect of it, I think, at international level. Watching him at the 2016 Euros and how he conserved his energy, Mm. watching him find space, watching the team configure around him and they can find a way. That's the thing. 
Portugal have the pieces and they're just such a well-coached country and they have been for years. They're just such a well-coached team. They find the pockets of space for him and he doesn't get anyone's way. That's the thing. No one gets in his way. Him at international level just feels like he doesn't have anything to prove. Mm. At club level, there's always an element there still with Ronaldo that he kind of plays like he feels like he has something to prove, which is weird. Does that make sense? Do you know, my, yes, it reminds me of actually. Like, especially like, yeah. so, I mean, so, cause, sorry to cut in, but like, even though he was hugely, you know, he's one of the best players in Real Madrid history, he never felt to me like he looked fully comfortable there. Well, that's that you great know? Sid Lowe piece when he leaves. Yeah, and he never really felt loved there, you know. Yeah, which is odd. And there's, um, it's funny because there are some players who seem like they have a really, really great time when they go and play for the national team as opposed to their own teams. Yeah. Paul Pogba is the most obvious example, I think. Yeah. Um, Ronaldo, put, I put Falcao there as well. Falcao yeah. absolutely adored playing for Colombia. And that's why him not playing at 2014 World Cup was such a tragedy because... Nick Bentner. Falcao, yeah. <laughs> if Falcao had been at the 2014 World Cup, there's a what if. Because mm. he was absolutely flying. And the Colombia team, as amazing as Hamas was, Hamas was amazing, but a front two of Hamas and... Falcao could have done some extraordinary yeah. damage. And arguably, he was the only thing missing from that team. It's just really nice to see people that love playing for the country, I think. I think Portugal are a really good shout for the Euros next year. This lineup, bear in mind they had Guerrero left back, Cancelo right back, Diaz oh. and Pepe in the middle, Bruno Fernandes, Pereira, Matinho, and the front three of Ronaldo, Jao Felix, Bernardo Silva. That is legit. Do you know that's what? That's legit. that's a good shout for the Champions League. If Portugal, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> if Portugal played, Portugal, next what if? If Portugal could play in the Champions League, yeah, they Ronaldo could, would I mean, get his stick. I mean, actually, yeah, that that Portugal team's better than the Juventus team. That's an oh. incredible dude. You're gonna have Juve fans coming after us here. No, they're not. No, we're not. We're actually. actually not. Only, I think. I just think I only know two Juve fans. But that's not a controversial opinion. What I've just said. That Portugal True. team, yeah, that Portugal beat Juventus. Oh. It would. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Don't sit there. You agree with me. You agree. You agree. <laughs> Let's go to a break. Let's do it. <laughs> Everyone out of the water. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, back from the break. Let's go through some questions. All right, okay, so we're going to talk kits, yeah? Yeah. Now, we had a number of ones about a specific kit. Oh, my God, here we go. Okay, <laughs> from Neve Dunphy, shouts to Neve, who is a, I believe, a Man United fan. She says, after seeing the Manchester United barcode kit, I almost feel an anger over how someone with such a good job do something so wrong have any kits ever angered you that's one question Justin Salhani this is how divisive this kit is why is the Man United third kit actually good it's not good Justin no it's not I actually tweeted about this the other day I think I love that Man United third kit and I think the reason one of the main reasons that I love it so much is because it's not it's not for a club that I support exactly because we know it's terrible 
shirtless plantain, shout out to them. They always say this, it's unserious. It's an unserious kit. This Manchester United third kit is not good. Can I just shout out Le Ballon, by the way? Because it's, it's basically the same as Le Ballon. I've got Le Ballon scarf. And basically Le Ballon have had that like thing for ages, that kind of black and white crisscross, like various width stripe things for years. Um, it's basically just a Le Ballon kit. And they put David Beckham in it and then everyone lost their, lost their minds. And it's like, yeah, because David Beckham looked good in a bin bag. You make a bin bag look good. And True. so now there's this talk, oh, it's actually good. No, it, it's awful. Like it's awful. Like you couldn't wear it with anything. I can't think of, this is the thing. The shorts themselves, they're a, continue, they're a mere continuation of the shirt. Apparently they're not going to wear those shorts. They're going to wear the black shorts with it, which is such a cop-out. No, it's not. It's not a cop-out. It's all terrible, Ryan. It's all terrible. I love how angry this is making you. Well, because that's the, that's the kind of shirt that you buy. We've all been there. Everyone's got an item of clothing. They buy it and they just never wear it. And they're about to go on nights out and they look at their wardrobe and they're like, you know what? And they keep passing over it. And that's that shirt. It's that everyone's talking about it now. Everyone's tweeting about it because everyone wants the engagement. Everyone wants the clicks. Everyone wants the likes and the takes. But no one's actually going to go out there and wear it with their chest. No one's on that. No one is on that. They're not. No one's feeling it, really. And this is the thing. This is what's interesting. All these things. It's like when certain albums come out, which I won't name because I don't want to shame people on Beyonce's internet. <laughs> certain albums come out. Everyone's like, oh, wow, wow. The album, wow, wow, wow. And no one's talking about it. Three weeks later. And that's the same with this shirt. Everyone's pretending they're into it, but no one's into it. You know what's going to happen? There'll be a backlash. There'll be a family that turn up all wearing that and everyone will mock it. Oh, look, they look all terrible. So No, they don't look terrible. The shirt looks terrible. And the multiplier effect of a whole family wearing it, of different generations wearing it, has brought home the sheer horror of it. And that's the backlash. You know Bugs Life, the movie? I've not seen it. It's so funny how you reference things I haven't seen. See, I'm here for the people. My references are for the people. Do I feel like at the moment? <laughs> You're just watching some old man rant behind a screen. I feel like Lionel Messi in the last three Champions League campaigns. Oh my God. Like, a bit of help here, please. Anyone watch Bugs Life? Anyone? <laughs> anyway, there's a bit in it where this, uh, this moth goes towards the light and they're like, stay away from the light. And he's like, I can't, I can't. It's so beautiful. And that is me watch, looking at this Man United kit. I know it's bad for me, but I actually really love it. Can't help it. What is it that attracts you about it? All right, okay. <laughs> this is a little bit mischievous. Okay, I think it goes back to my childhood. You ready? Yeah, yeah, go, go for it. Go for it. I lay on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> story. Take a walk with me. <laughs> So I was the only Arsenal fan in my school. My God. At that time when peak Wenger versus Ferguson. Brutal. And I think that there's part of some undealt with trauma from that part of my life that's still kind of like vindictive towards Man United. <laughs> so you want this kit because it looks bad. I think that's there what it is. it is. Yeah, no, don't, and that makes, you know, that that's makes total so bad sense. Because, because let me just, like, I've mellowed completely, you know. Since we've started doing football stuff, this is why I get so much shit for not being a good Arsenal fan. Hashtag not a good Arsenal fan. Yeah, yeah, because, true, true. Because actually, I quite like talking about clubs objectively because yeah, it's quite, yeah. it's been quite, quite draining for most of my life being quite tribal about football clubs. Yeah, yeah. And I actually really enjoy it. But I think there's a little part of me there that's kind of like, wear the shorts. Wear the shorts. <laughs> is that bad? Am I going to get cancelled now? No, you won't get cancelled. The, the kit should be cancelled. I don't know. I think it's, it's a kit for clicks, isn't it? You know? Yeah, we've talked. Look, we've talked about kits that are genuinely beautiful already in this podcast. Actually, look, this is something I want to throw in about kits while we're on the kit subject. Um, so, Sana Qureshi said, "Why long sleeve shirts the best?" Yes, and actually, the reason why I want to talk about this is because the long sleeve Brazil turn of the century 
is beat with the kind of beach shorts that had this really amazing kind of cut where it was like, they were slightly rigid. They were quite, it was this weird fit thing of like quite a baggy fit. Well, they, quite, they were quite big, the shorts, but they had quite a rigid fit. The white socks with the trim and the kind of like um, the yellow long sleeve with the green lines, they looked, those long sleeve looked incredible. That is the best Brazil kit I've, I've, I thought. Um, and the thing about the long sleeve is the slightly baggy long sleeve looks amazing with the kind of, you know, and it's really stark colors like Ajax. Mm. Ajax looked absolutely amazing. The, the fat red and black stripes of, of Milan looked amazing. I've always felt the Milan kit looked best as a long sleeve. Always, always. I mean, long sleeves have been phased out because of the introduction of under armory kind of, you know, base layer yeah. things. And they just look crap. They just look terrible. crap, like yeah. compared to it. I mean, the thing that I used to really love, Arsenal used to have this tradition, which has obviously gone out the window now because they're allowing some players to wear base layers or not. But Arsenal used to have a tradition where the captain would decide whether, the, whether they wore long or short sleeves that day and everyone had to wear them. I love that. And it was a really long tradition at Arsenal. And it kind of just, just went a couple of years ago when people were allowed to start wearing base layers. And I just think it looks rubbish. I used to love all of the side in long sleeves, all it's, of the side in short sleeve. Although it's funny thing about Arsenal because I, when I think of teams that have looked great in long sleeves, I think immediately of Bergkamp and Henri. Like they're the most, there's something about long sleeves that makes you look like a kind of, like you're conducting an orchestra. Like they're really elegant, especially those kind of the slightly baggy, like long sleeve fit that Arsenal had at that time. Mm. When it looked really elegant, it looked almost like kind of like, like dressing gown comfortable. Like it looked so, you saw Henri and Burkamp and you were like, your kit is such an important part of your makeup. Your fit. It just looked like really, like, on, you know, Burkamp with those, like, you know, those, those shoulders, like unbelievably broad shoulders for a 10. Mm. And it's like lean, almost like leaning back, watching Burkamp play his passes, like almost kind of leaning back in his shirt. Like the iconic Burkamp performance, maybe the 7-0 against Everton where he just sits 30 yards off the area, like De Bruyne style, and just, just kills them. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the long sleeve energy. Yeah, me too. And I, and I really think that, I mean, if PK can wear them, and Cristiano Ronaldo can wear them, and Sergio Ramos can wear them, then the rest of you can wear them. Yeah. And Zizou Zidane looked amazing in the long yeah, sleeve. I really yeah, don't un- I don't understand yeah. the base layer thing. I know it's like, you know, convenient, and you only have to have like one, you can just, give everyone a short sleeve shirt and if they want to wear a base layer they can or not but that continuation of the pattern all the way down the shirt for example and then you yeah. have the same cuff but at the bottom it just looks amazing also remember I, like love, I, mean, I love I love like and now in the Premier League for example as well I love the oh you know the the, the Saturday um, the Saturday afternoon games that will be under floodlights by the end of the game in the winter long sleeves yellow ball it's yes, just, with the sh- like, with the shadows that go four ways. You yeah, know, when the players got four shadows on the floodlights. Well, yeah, only on terrible uh, on terrible grounds. Yeah, but I like that too. I like that too. Uh, but, but also the um the Juve when you talk about the continuation on the patterns, the Juve shirt with the kappa along the arms going yeah. that looked amazing. Yeah, you definitely wear long sleeves just to get an extra foot of the kappa. Yeah, that's so, so good. Uh, this one from sedentary Gary on Twitter. What do you think of these of this season's new kits across Europe? There are some real gems, but overall it feels like this is the worst collection of new kits that we've had for some time. This is kind of related to something I want to talk about. So Justin Sahani's second question was on Nike's third kits. 
What do they say about appeal to local versus global fan base? And is the storytelling reaching too much? And how do you fix this? Brackets, if broken. So, what is your overall feeling on the new kits that you've seen across Europe this season? I don't feel that many bold leaps forward, but I think they're fairly good. I don't feel, I don't feel affronted by them. Like, I don't feel like there's, I think like with, with kits, you're always constrained by form. You're constrained by the colours you can use, the schemes, and some people go a bit wild, but I, I generally quite like them, Ryan, to be honest. I agree, actually. Even the ones that aren't that adventurous, like the Dutch one, I really like it. Like, they've just kept it. Maybe fashion is conservative in the sense that people follow trends and there's like, okay, this is the season for X and everyone. It's like you go to Uniqlo and it's like, it's corduroy season all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, finally, finally. <laughs> like Raphael on the dial on his Instagram live and Federer turns up. Finally, corduroy is in. But maybe, you know, fashion being quite conservative, everyone's gone for, let's keep it fairly standard this year or let's go slightly retro. I remember last year there was some articles about like kits diving into nostalgia and stuff like that. Football kits now, they just mimic fashion trends. Yeah. It's yeah. just everything's cyclical. So it was like, as the kind of 90s stuff started to come back, so did nods to 90s kits. It's just like, it's not that deep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But there's a bigger issue here, I think. And the reason that to leap into Justin's question, football clubs are having to, are having to reach for these storytelling ideas is because the death of the two-year kit cycle. Right. It started to erode gradually throughout the 2000s, but it really seemed to die around 2009, 2010. Arsenal had the yellow kit for their final three years of their Nike contract, and they had the same kit for their last two years of their Nike contract, the home one with the red and the blue stripe on the arm that they yep. won the FA Cup in in 2014. But everything else was just one-year kit cycles. And I think that this is the problem, that if you think back, most kits would last two years. Right. Each season, you would have one new kit, home kit one year, away kit the next and yeah there were times when that changed either with a change of sponsor or a change of manufacturer the reason that we we hold them so fondly is because you were given time to build a relationship with them excellent point yeah excellent point yeah if you think you had two years to build a relationship with this kit compared to what we have now that's twice as many memories literally twice yeah. as much time that you have to form a relationship with a kit and also because the turnover isn't so high so you're essentially replacing one or two kits a year with three new kits every single year. Some of them that you might wear twice or your club might wear twice or three times. It's like England's navy blue kit under Nike a few years ago. I think, I, was, I think England wore it three times, if that, twice, maybe. So it's really hard to form a relationship with these football kits in the same way that Arsenal fans will remember the bruised banana kit or Man United fans will remember that unbelievable away kit, the blue and white trefoil pattern that was just really leery with the blue shorts. Do you remember? Rumbelow's Cup. Late, late 80s. And then, yeah, the Rumbelow's Cup when we, Early, we, had yeah. a, we went on a run with Lee Sharp and we looked brilliant and it looked One amazing. the best Man United kits ever. And that looked amazing under the lights as well. That exactly. looked amazing under yeah. the lights. You know, yeah. like the Liverpool candy kit. Everyone remembers that. Manchester United like, Sharp. You know, and the thing, yeah, the candy kit is a great example because when you're a kid, you used, you went, well, when I was a kid, I used to draw used to draw the footballers like in the back of your book. You know, because it took ages to finish an exercise book as a kid. So right at the very back. Mm, someone didn't do enough work. Well, yeah. That's why I'm here on a podcast with you, isn't it, Ryan? Oh, wow. Well, say, that's why I'm here with you. <laughs> I got the first. I got the first. I used to draw diagrams of like, you know, my favorite teams and like the opposition. And you draw the sharp and the candy. You draw them. Like mm. that was a way of bonding. And it was like building a narrative. And, you know, to Justin's point about storytelling, it was a chance to tell 
your own story and have your own relationship with a kit and with a club. So I think you're right. Something has been lost. And you know what it is? It's like you don't eat a banana before it's ripe. And these kits are not having time to ripen, basically. 100%. Is what it is. I know that it's, you know, it's capitalism and it's revenue generating and stuff yeah. like that. But how many people can realistically afford to buy three kits a year? Right. That's like at retail price for an adult, that's 180 pounds, potentially 200 pounds for th- three football shirts. That is wild. Yeah. The, price, the price is wild. No, no one can really afford that. Yeah. And then imagine if you have a family and kids and stuff like that as well, and they all want all three. It just can't happen. Yeah, exactly. I genuinely believe that brands are kind of missing a trick here in terms of going back to the old cycle. Because yeah. A, I think it would be a, a hugely popular move among fans anyway. And B, you don't need to come up with these stories to forge a connection with the fan base. I don't need that story to care about that kit. What I need is time for us to create some memories in it. Yeah. I can hear it already. A load of people just rolled their eyes being like, here these two go again. These two soft, naive, like just create memories in football kits, guys. It's just like- (laughs) We've gone very spiritual today, haven't we? We've gone very- No, 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 but I mean it. It's like, it sounds really, really wishy-washy, but it's not like, it's not bullshit. Especially in such a massively accelerated capitalist culture. Everything's so fast paced. What did we all say? Well, not all of us, but a lot of people said at the beginning of lockdown, the, the, most, the best thing about lockdown was that we stopped for a bit. Yeah. This isn't me just like pulling ideas out of everything. This is stuff that people are thinking about, like forced friction, for example. The Spurs documentary, prime example, they're yeah. releasing three a week. They're not, released, they're not dumping the whole series. You know, they did it with, I think, Better Call Saul, the last run on Netflix. It's like they'll release one a week now because people have been so used to getting everything straight away that they're not actually used to friction. And, and brands and, and companies are now understanding that actually adding layers of friction in to consumerism is actually not a bad thing anymore. Right, and right. this is another version of that. Yep. And this, it's win-win because you get twice as... But I, don't, I can't imagine that there's going to be a huge drop-off in terms of revenue generated by kits if you stagger the kits. See, that's but, where someone rolled their eyes. That's where someone listening who works in sports marketing was like, Oh, like, oh, these people. No, no, I, but I agree with you, Ryan. I agree with you about all of this, like the relationship building. And yeah. the, I, I, think, I think you're completely right on it. And I always feel, you know, this, I always feel guilty ranting about accelerated capitalism because it's I just- I know, you've turned me. Because, no, I, it's I such, don't think I've ever said that before. But it's such a feature of life that it feels like almost, it almost, it feels naive and like to even complain about it because it's just the world we're in. Even from a marketing point of view, right? Right. <laughs> There's someone there who has to come up with three super hyper romantic stories to connect the kits to fans every year. Yeah. The most easiest method to do that is just time. Yeah. I mean, for example, I'll throw an example out, right? Can you remember what Real Madrid kit won the Decima? But can you remember what Real Madrid kit they won in Hamden Park? Oh God, yes. There you go. Actually, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the funny about the Decima, the thing I remember most is Chabby Alonso running down the sideline in his suit looking amazing. (laughs) That's what I remember most of all about the Decima. (laughs) And then then Cristiano scoring the final penalty. Taking his shirt off. And running down the line like he'd scored the winner. And I'm like, no, Gareth Bale did that. (laughs) Sorry to do that, but it just just really makes me laugh that Gareth Bale scored the winner in two Champions League finals. And didn't get the love. Still, yeah. everyone hates him. Yeah, like, it's wild. It's wild. Uh, let's take a break. Let's do it. 
All right, back from the break. Um, we're going to ru- we're going to rattle through some questions for the final bit. Before we do, though, more women's Super League news. Oh my God! Yes, Ruben Heath and Kristen Press have finally signed for Manchester United. Can I say um, thank you very much for the press, the embargoed press releases that we received? Couldn't believe it. St- at Stadio Towers. Like Stadio, the Stadio email got the basically the press releases from the Man United PR about this, and I was like, Are "You guys all right?" Or They've noticed us. They know we're here. Can I just say this as well? Like, dear press office, we respected your embargo. As you will note from our tweets, we were very respectful of the embargo. So (laughs) should you wish to pass on further (laughs) savoury treats, (laughs) we will keep in confidence. We're always here and listening at Stadio Towers. (laughs) Two amazing signings to add to the already stacked Women's Super League. Uh, I want to shout out Cheeky Ball Boys. Bob, who said, did Man United women low-key have the best transfer window in the Women's Super League? Sorry, Bob. They didn't Bob. have the best one in Manchester. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> I love Bob, but... No, Bob. No, no, no. No, they didn't. No. Ask the pugs. The pugs will tell you. The pugs will tell you. Yeah, Bob's, shout out to Bob's pugs. Adorable dogs. I think Manchester City had probably the best transfer window because Lucy Bronze has now confirmed that she's going there as well. So the Women's Super League is absolutely, it's looking unbelievable this year. Wow. You know what? Here's the funny thing. It's one of those ones where like, you're like, people are hyped. Like the league is hyped. The, the players, the other clubs, you know, it's that friendly rivalry, but like, that's going to become intense. Also, I think there'll be, this is the first season that three sides will go in the Champions League. I mean, <laughs> the best thing is I can't even, I can't even begin. Well, obviously the, the addition of Lucy Bronze, that is the game changer. That to me makes City the, I mean, that, that's like. I mean, Alex Greenwood, Sam Mewis, Rose Lavelle. And now Lucy Bronze. That's I mean, terrifying. That's, that's like our, legit. Like, yeah. That was like our all-star episode. Yeah, that is, that is. It's like, that's a beast mode. Chuck Frankie De Jong in there and that's basically my all-star side. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> what a team that was. Oh my God. Oh, what we should do team. a little, we should re-up that actually. That we should one. actually, we should, we should. Yeah. Right. The important questions. We're approaching mid-September, which means we've got approximately three months until the 2020 Stadios. Yes. Oh my goodness. The coveted Stadio Awards. So for those who don't know, we have an end of year awards. We do. Which we made up on the fly last year at Christmas. And I think we were hammered when we did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We put out for our own little like Christmas dinner with some friends. That's what no one was watching. (laughs) You went under the radar with that. How we got away with that, I do not. (laughs) The reason we got away with that episode was because we did try to do a recap. Yeah. It was so bad that I chopped it. I chopped the whole thing. <laughs> Do you remember that point when we were recording? I think you cut that bit out when like you asked me something the next morning and I hesitated. And yeah. I thought I hesitated for like two seconds, but it was more like 10 because I was just gone. <laughs> anyway, Stadios this year will be bigger and better than ever. Yes, absolutely. AKA we're adding some more awards to it. Yes, yes. But the equivalent of like best movie yeah. is... Catfish of the year. Catfish of the year. Absolutely. The Stadio Catfish of the year. And we had a couple of questions about this. So one from Andrew Sensi said, Everton appear to have assembled a competitive midfield. Season of promise? Or just... (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. Sorry. Season of promise? Or just reaching their final form of an actual catfish? Sincerely, burnt toffee. (laughs) Sorry. Long-time listeners of Stadio will obviously remember Everton were the winners of the first ever Stadio Catfish of the, the year. Inaugural. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> Sorry, we t- the inaugural. Sorry. Because we didn't to break into the 
the top six last season. Sorry, do you know what it is? I think think because the, the, the reason I laugh whenever I hear the word catfish is because the word itself is inherently so comic. And the thing about um, Everton, they bought Dukure from Watford, tidy mm. signing, 20 minutes. Actually, Jonathan oh, Fisher, we, shout out to him. Yeah, Jonathan Fisher. Yeah. Why was no one in for Dukure, he said. I think, why was no one else in? I think because a mixture of things. He's 27. The prize, 20 million, is a stiff price for a 27-year-old. And I think the pandemic... I think people are treading more carefully. Frozen pocket. I think people's, yeah, people's budgets are slightly bit more frozen. So I think that that confidence of factors, but I mean, it's a great move for him, actually. I'm really happy for um, Decore to go to Everton. Neil Cedric said, the annual discussion, yep. Everton, big moves energy or big catfish energy again? I think they're going to avoid the catfish denomination this year. I don't think they'll win it this year. I don't think you can win a catfish under Carlo. No, and I think that the signings he's made, I know they're a bit older, so there might be um, a concern about the physical durability, but James Rodriguez is just an extraordinary signing. It's a really exciting signing. And also James under Carlo. Yeah, no, it's really um, great to see James there. I've got to be honest with you, his career trajectory has been a bit... I don't think he's made... It's weird. I don't think he's made bad moves in his career. I think it was right to go Madrid at that time. I think Bayern was a really good option given what's happening at Madrid. And then he had, you know, obviously issues with injury. I just feel like if he looks at his CV... He, those are great clubs, all of them. Monaco, Real, Bayern. He hasn't really failed. Not it was really. the Monaco move, I think. Oh, that's interesting. I think that was the problem. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a good shout. I think, think it, killed I, his think, momentum? I think it did it for a lot of players, actually. They just bought so many people in one go. But never really cohered. And then realised they just couldn't do it. Yeah. James Rodriguez is actually a really good example of the Theo Walcott theory. Oh, what's that? You know, when they're a prospect and then all of a sudden they're... Oh my God, that's such a brilliant shout. There's no in between. Another question? Yeah, yeah. Another question. We've got another catfish question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Ravinda Clare, who are we tipping for big catfish energy this season? My money's on Chelsea. <laughs> wow. Ooh, that's, that's a naughty tweet. I think for a catfish, you need to have that combination isn't it? of great expectation and great disappointment. But I have to say this, I do have to say this. They have put themselves in catfish contention. I think it's fair. They have put themselves in... Very noisy. To be a catfish, you have to almost... You've got to seek greatness. It's almost... A, it's a tragedy. It's like Icarus. It's the Icarus thing, basically. Icarus was the biggest... The world's original catfish was Icarus. Oh, grand ambition. And obviously, didn't quite work out how poor Icarus planned it. I love how our two, two uh, analogies for catfish were... Yours was Icarus. And I was going to be like... It's like when you see people trying to jump in a pool and they land half a meter too short <laughs> oh the amazing you go, the amazing you go mythology i go memeology <laughs> yeah memeology that is all oh, but memes are myths and myths are memes but the amazing one when the guy jumps in the puddle and ends up to his neck um who else so i think chelsea definitely have played themselves into contention with that do you know who i um, think you know who i think could be a catfish this year not city women no 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 I think Man United men could be a catfish this year. Oh, that's interesting. Because the belief's back. The belief is back. You know, that's a very good point. The belief is back, but the acquisitions in key areas haven't been made. Exactly. And do you know who I think could be a negative catfish or a positive catfish, depending on which way you look at it? Tottenham Hotspur. Not a lot of noise about Spurs at the moment. Although, probably one of my most disappointing transfers of the season was seeing Jan Vertonghen go to Benfica. I was really disappointed by that. 
Uh, yeah, there's I more. Mean, I'm happy for him. I mean, he's living in Lisbon. Yeah. yeah having a lovely right. time. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that sorry for him at all, to be honest. No, no. I mean, for Spurs' point of view, though, that's a, I think that's a... I think, that's a, I think that could be a tricky one to replace. You know what it feels like? It just feels like air slowly hissing out of a tyre, a car tyre. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a, it just feels like a kind of a painful and slow loss of intensity. Spurs? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, they're going to come for you, Musa. Well, I hope they do. I hope they do because, like, you know, we'll talk about that documentary another time, but just very quickly, watching that Spurs documentary, and I'll, it's all I'll say about it, one specific thing, the way that Deli Ali allows himself to be portrayed in that documentary is one of the most disappointing things I've seen from a footballer of his stature and his quality. It's disappointing because if I'm a player that is going to go to the Premier League and I'm desperate to play with the world's best and Deli Ali in terms of talent is, you know, one oh, of pure talent alone, yeah, unbelievable sure. talent. And I just look and think to myself, how am I desperate to go and play in that dressing room mm. when the whole recurring motif to the point where it becomes a meme is that Deli Ali is a lazy trainer and doesn't make the best of himself. You know, we look at the NBA, we look at basketball right now and we see the Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks and they're led by the incredible Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler said that one of the key reasons he left Philadelphia is because they just weren't intense enough. They weren't desperate enough to win. And you look at the things that attract elite athletes, it's intensity and like the best people in that dressing room are pushing themselves the hardest. And you look at that documentary and just think, I don't know what your comms team think that is advertising. I don't know what you're trying to do. You're building your brand. You're trying to get this to push further. But the center of everything, right? We talked about this before. We talked about this earlier. Come back to the shirts thing. The football comes first, right? The relationship building with what's happening on the field. That's the thing. That's the key. Like when you're building anything, any relationship, any brand, first thing is the football. And you look at the Spurs documentary and you think, football's not coming first. Something really interesting you mentioned there. I think there's such a massive parallel between the Sixers and Spurs. Like them going to the Champions League final kind of felt like that year that the Sixers signed like Tobias Harris and Jimmy and they yeah. kind of really made a move for it and the process was done. Like yes. the whole process yes. was just like torch. It was like, right, here we go. This is it. And then Brett Brown leaves this year. Potch goes. Yeah. If you've got an elite athlete, an elite footballer, who's as intense as Jimmy Butler is in basketball, who's looking at Spurs, are you really going to catch them thinking, I'm desperate to join that dressing room? I'm desperate. And that to me is the problem. Yeah, but, you know, bear in mind, you've got a couple of World Cup winners in there. Right, right. But I'm saying you either, you know, you either want people who've not won anything, who are really hungry or, you know, or, or players who... I like that you want desperation. You want desperation in there. And I, that documentary is funny because the people they've got to feature a lot, they're not like the biggest, they're not, they're not quite introverted actually, weirdly yeah, enough. Yeah. It's funny, they've, they've chosen to make a documentary about a dressing room where a lot of the people are just introverts. Shall so I, I've got a, I've go got, for it, yeah. I've got a take. I've got yeah. a theory. Sure, sure. Hang on. Ha <laughs> ha, here he goes. Here he is. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. So, watching all or nothing, Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> I believe Daniel Levy only sacked Mauricio Pochettino for the documentary. <laughs> oh my goodness. There it is, Rilo Wren. What the hell happened? Why do I feel dizzy? 
the take of all takes. Yeah, because you always get like that after you've come down from Mount Rilo. Yeah, it's like weird. I go to another place. I said this on Twitter. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> my take on Twitter is that, and I said this and I'll say it again here, despite what anyone says, I think that a big part of this documentary existing is because Daniel Lever feels hard done by. He feels misunderstood. And this is a way of kind of, yes, he's building Spurs' brand, but he's also, I think, clearing the air a bit that people don't understand how hard it is to build a club and employ what, hundreds of 600 staff and to help regenerate an area. And like, he loves Spurs. And this is the thing I look at, I think to myself, because, you know, he's, he's proud. He's like, you know, he's a, he's a hmm. proud family man and he's a proud businessman. And here's the thing I was thinking, nobody that's ever looked at your dealings ever had ever doubted your love for Spurs. No one ever doubted how much you cared. I didn't know. I didn't doubt it, you know, and no one doubted that you're a hard negotiator. Well, it was a compliment. When you negotiated that fee for Berbatov, it was a massive compliment that he drove that bargain. So I'm thinking, who are you talking to here? Who are you trying to convince? Is it yourself? What perception are you trying to change? Like, you are who you are. Like, everyone knows you care about your club. Everyone knows you're extremely hard-nosed. Everyone knows you drive a hard bargain, maybe stubborn to the point of, you know. But do you know what he reminds me of, actually? I'm going to sound a bit harsh here. You know how there are certain people that are so set in their ways, and they've been so brilliant for so long that it gets hard for them to accept external critique. There's a moment when Daniel Levy says the two best coaches in the world are in the Premier League and he names one of them as Mourinho. And I thought to myself, you see right here what you need? You need a co-writer. And he reminded me of, and I, that sounds really, really harsh. I love the great Christopher Nolan. I love Christopher Nolan, right? I think he's one of my favourite directors. You know, he always will be, he always has been. I'm not going to give away the plot to Tenet or anything in it, but Tenet is the clearest possible example of a director and a writer who needs someone who needs a second pair of eyes. And I say that with the greatest respect for what Levy's done at Spurs with the stadium, with the club and all of it. I said the greatest respect, you need a second pair of eyes. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, the same way Kanye West had the humility when he was producing late registration to be like, I need to get John Bryan to co-produce this. Mm -hmm. And Kanye then produced maybe his, in my opinion, his, his best album his most fully formed, realised album. And Daniel Levy needs a second pair of eyes at Spurs. Yeah, I think this thing that for me is, if you compare the two between the Manchester City one and this one, I actually found the Manchester City one, from an entertainment point of view, it was quite dry. Yeah. But I think that's very deliberate because yes. the focus was on Pep. Yes. The interesting bits would be when Pep pulls Arteta back into the video room and they're trying to figure out a problem. It's super intense. Mm. And sometimes it's a little bit Pep parody. Mm. But that was really interesting to me. Yes. Unfortunately, the narrative around the Spurs one has been a little bit more like people are watching The Office. And I kind of feel a bit sorry for Spurs fans in that way because it's they just... Don't deserve that. They don't deserve that. I mean, like, it's been a bit yeah. of a rough... Since the Champions League final, it's been a bit of a rough year, you know, and, and Spurs were in a really good position. They almost had it all ready to go. You know, those Pochettino sides, there's a thing in there that Mourinho says, you know, you're a bunch of nice guys, you're nice guys. And I always thought like, this is what? so weird because playing Spurs under Pochettino was nasty. Yeah. It was nasty. It was hard playing Spurs. I think that's been lost since the Champions League final a little bit. But, yeah, the, but also the there's a lot of, con you know, there are a lot of circumstances around that. And I think we should probably save the deep dive on the Spurs thing until we've watched the whole thing. Yeah. But the one thing I'll say, I mean, the reason I mentioned the Levy thing, just a couple of quick things I'll just put in. The reason I mentioned the Levy thing about wanting approval is that at so many key points, you have him coming in where you're like, ah, does the chairman really belong in that context? Like he'll just pop up and it'll be, he'll do like a kind of FaceTime. It would, it'll be a bit like, you know, fa uh, almost like a photo type appearance with Mourinho 
mm-hmm. and he'll nod and smile, like in a very kind of stage managed thing, he'll disappear again. I was like, for someone that doesn't care about how he's perceived, he's, he's on screen an awful lot. He's in the training ground canteen a lot. Yeah. Did we ever see, did we, did we ever see Peter Hillwood around that much? I couldn't even tell what you look like. Right. So I, I think there's, I'm not, I'm not criticizing necessarily a chairman being visible. I'm just saying that if you make yourself visible, you want to be approved of. Like you want, you know, and that's, you want that. Okay. I get it. The other thing I'll say, um, and if there's any consolation to Spurs, all the talk of Spurs being on the brink of something, if it's any consolation to Spurs, you're like, that relationship was so done. Mm. You see Pochettino and the light is out in him. You're like, you, that relationship, that he had, he had taken that working relationship, that dynamic as far as he could. You can just see the resignation in him. Should have like, gone in the summer. Yeah. And it's not like he gave up. It's that th- he was like, I can't go further with this. I can't, mm. this, I can't get what I need. But yeah, on that slightly somber note. Um, but yeah, but uh, no, not a somber note. I think what it is, it comes round to the thing we began with fundamentally with the kits. It's got to be about the football first. It's got to be about, you've got to put football at the centre of it. I'm going to throw a quick one at you before we go. Sure, sure. From Queen City MLS. Whose domestic title streak is mo- most likely to end this year? PSG, Juve or Bayern? I want an answer and one sentence why, please. Juve. I agree. Because I cannot see a universe in which PSG or Bayern don't win their titles. The only way that Bayern don't win that league is if they break up that midfield pairing, I think. And even then, that's a bit of a leap. Yeah, I think so. Um, I believe you. I think Juve. I think you're right. I think Juve. I think they're the only one of those three who are moving into the new season a little bit. They're, they're, they're less stable than the other two, sorry. Yeah, and you're talking about the two who were in the Champions League final and absolutely yeah. dominated their league. So, Juve is. Yeah, Juve fans are probably haters by now. Sorry. Oh, well. Oh, well. Sorry. Everyone hates us. Oh, well. They can't find us. Well, you know, if you're feeling really angry, find Moose on Twitter. <laughs> at Okwonga on yeah. Twitter. If you're feeling very complimentary, at Ryan Hun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to drop us an email about anything, stadiofootball at gmail.com. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Stadio.football is our website. At Stadio on Twitter, at Stadio Football Instagram. Anything else you want to add, Musa, before we play out? Um, let me just, sorry, let me, uh, oh, God, uh, take a swig of water just to make sure my throat's I'm tired. Do you know what I'm, do you know what my face is like now? It's like that all or nothing episode one where they cut to Poch. Poch is, that's, that's me now. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Take a swig of water to make sure my throat's not parched and just to say, yeah, I just hope everyone stays hydrated. That's, yeah, that's all I hope, really. Okay, let's get out of here. We hope everyone's staying safe and well. Enjoy the return of the men's seasons this weekend. Yep, and yep. we're playing out on 19 Gaddy Pirms Sakuma. I think I've pronounced that right. Yep, and yep. yeah, everyone just needs to chill a little bit. So we're playing out on this tune, which is called Ruig. Which is funny because the tune is like, <laughs> I was skanking to it in my chair. But yeah, it's a vibe though. It's a vibe. It makes me feel calm. Great choice. Take care, everyone. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. Karārindā mani sapņi stāja, košām sejām kārtu kārtām biezām bārdām.
tad nav vēļi piezi gari izgūsiet un zaigo acis norim strūksnis. Tīstās vakars maigā miegā veras nams, es jūtu tevi ļoti ātri. Rūjīš! 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 Sejām kārtu kārtām spožām, kleitām notiek uz sāk. 